You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. So we yeah. have to start looking at the body as a whole thing, not just, are we burning calories? Um, and unfortunately, the are we burning calories message is the one we've been focused on for, I suppose, 40 years now. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean we're getting healthier. Welcome back to the Happier at Work podcast, or if you're new here, you are very welcome. Today's guest is a little bit different, a little bit kind of off the beaten track of anything I've really covered on the show before. I typically talk about the psychological impacts, but today we're kind of talking more about the physical. Annette Cashel is a Pilates teacher and movement coach who helps people to undo or prevent the damage done by excessive sitting. She's ex-corporate and she avoided a neck fusion operation. Doesn't that sound awful? Uh, and now combines her expertise in Pilates and movement to help others thrive with corrective exercises and the lifestyle or environmental changes to support them. Her offerings include corporate wellness webinars, the ebook Ultimate Guide to Working from Home, virtual workshops, monthly membership to a library of pre-recorded classes, weekly Zoom classes and private online sessions. Annette has spoken on radio, multiple podcasts and corporate wellness webinars. She's also written articles for Thrive Global and featured in Grow Wild and the Irish Examiner. Now, as I mentioned, this is something slightly different, but I think very relevant for the time that we're in. We're kind of 18 months into a global pandemic with the majority of people, let's face it, working from home, probably If you're one of the lucky ones, you have a good chair and you have a nice office setup and you have a separate desk and a separate office space. But for a lot of people, they're working in situations where they're kind of sitting maybe on a non-ideal chair for hours at a time. Whereas previously in the office, you might be getting up to walk from meeting room to meeting room. Now we're spending the majority of our time sitting. And This idea of movement, it's not something that's new to me. I was aware of it, but the way Annette explains it and the practical tips that she shares are really beneficial. And I think they're things that people can take away immediately and start to implement. I know certainly between the time of recording and when I'm recording this intro, I have taken on board a couple of things that she has said already, and it has definitely made a difference. Just being aware of the movement that you have throughout the day. And it doesn't have to be getting out for an hour long walk or going, you know, to a couple of hours in the gym or something like that. It's really just about how you bring movement, actual muscle movement into your everyday As always, I'll be doing a summary at the end. So I'd love for you to stick around for that to take away some of the key practical steps that we speak about on the podcast. And I'd love for you to share your own insights or what are you going to do differently as a result of listening to the podcast. You can connect with me. You can comment on on the posts that I put on social media, mostly on LinkedIn and Instagram. They're the two platforms that I use the most. If you want to connect with me, you'll find me Aoife O'Brien, that's A-O-I-F-E-O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N. For anyone who is not Irish or doesn't know how to say the name Aoife, though there are some foreign people who tell me they know exactly how to spell my name because they've met someone else before with my name, which is always really nice to hear. And you can also connect with me on Instagram, which is happieratwork.ie, the same as my website. And I would love to connect with you over there. 
Welcome, Annette, to the Happy at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. It's really great to connect with you this morning. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to listeners, give people a bit of a flavour of your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure, Aoife. Thanks a lot for um, inviting me. My name is Annette Cashel. Um, so my background is marketing. I worked for, as a marketing manager for 10 years in Germany in Silicon Valley. And I started having health problems. So eventually I ended up being a Pilates teacher and uh, my health problems continued. So from that point on, then I did some research and I realized that I was called an active couch potato. So I fell into that category of being an active couch potato. I I think I can relate to that. (laughs) Which really shocked me as a Pilates teacher. I'd given up my desk job. I was a Pilates teacher. Why was my health falling apart? And why was I categorized in active uh, couch potato. Yeah. So where, can I can I ask where yeah. that categorization comes from? Yeah. So well, it's it's been around really since 1996 okay. when they when the U.S. Surgeon General first wrote a report on sitting disease and how sitting was really bad for you and all these mm. diseases associated with it. And basically, from that came the idea of a couch potato, somebody who never moves. We all know what that means. An active couch potato could be somebody who goes to the gym every day, even for two hours a day. But what do they do for the rest of the day? And it turns out most of us sit for the rest of the day. So we're just as inactive as a couch potato for most of the day, except for that intense bout of maybe an hour or two. And if it's one hour, if it's one hour, it's only 6% more active than a couch potato who never moves. So that wow. really, it's, it's a shock to, your, to you as a human. It's a shock to your ego as a Pilates teacher, certainly. And I yeah. started to <laughs> realize how little I moved outside my teaching time. So I, I changed how I moved and I was able to avoid a neck fusion operation that I was due to have because of the lack of movement that I was doing. So I, since then, I've become a bit of a zealot about my uh, movement, which is about six years ago. So I call myself now a movement coach. I'm also a Pilates teacher and I'm a social entrepreneur. Great. Brilliant. I love that backstory. And, and you know, it, it's time to get real now. I can relate to all of this. And that statistic is shocking to me that if you do one hour of movement or go to the gym, it's only 6% more active than a couch potato. Mm-hmm. Now, at the start of this year, I started the 100 days of walking. It was tough because, you know, you start on the 1st of January, it's cold, yeah. it's wet, it's dark. But I, I plowed on through it. I got to the 100 days and I thought, I've done 100. Why not go for 200? And got to 200. And I was like, well, here we go. I'm going to go for 365. And recently reached the milestone, which I forgot completely completely to acknowledge was 265, which means 100 days left in the year of doing this every day. But I mean, to me, that's really shocking that I'm getting out every day. And sometimes, to be honest, it's, you know, it could be a 15 or 20 minute walk. I think next year I'll plan it a little bit more strategically and think I'll do, I'll get to the 10,000 steps. But maybe let's, let's start there with those kind of really shocking statistics. And what, what does the ideal scenario then look like? Yeah. So the good news is you don't have to go to the gym for three hours a day, for example. Yeah. So if you're doing exercise, keep doing it. That's fantastic but you need to add movement to the rest of the day. So exercise is a difference between exercise and movement. Exercise is usually something that involves putting on a different pair of shoes. Maybe you drive somewhere, you put on special clothes, you usually break a sweat. And what I think is important about exercise is when you've done it, you tend to tick it off your mental list. I've done that for the day. Oh yeah. I (laughs) have to move the rest of the day. Whereas movement, 
it sounds bad, but movement is all the rest of the day. So it could yeah. be standing up, making yourself a cup of coffee, just getting out of your chair. It could be taking washing out of the washing machine. It could be letting the cat out. It could be doing jumping jacks if that's your thing. But it's basically just getting out of your chair, changing your body posture so you're not mm. sitting in that stillness. And standing is a stillness. So this is another myth I'd like to bust. So if you've got a standing desk and you're congratulating yourself for a standing eight hours a day, it's just as still as sitting. Okay, I was going to ask about yeah. that. Yeah, what you yeah. know is that one of the solutions to get standing instead of yeah. being sitting so all day? I don't have a standing desk, but certainly standing is a lovely way to break up sitting, and it's the yeah. breaking up, it's the changing. So ideally, they say you're moving every half an hour for three minutes um, in general. So that could be getting up, opening a window, getting a glass of water, whatever. In terms yeah. of sitting versus standing, um, what they say to aim for is to stand for about twenty minutes of every hour. Okay. So, so you could sit for, um, say you st- say you have a Zoom call. So mm. I always say start every Zoom call standing because you will get tired. And the idea, okay. is, the idea is not to stand all day. So stand and start a Zoom call. After about 10, 15 minutes, you get tired, sit down in your chair. And mm. then the last eight minutes of the hour, you do some kind of movement or stretching or walking around. That would be the ideal yeah. mix. Not everybody's ready for that. So if you've never done this, just aim to move every hour mm. and then start reducing it. But you definitely want to mix the sitting and the standing. The goal is yeah. not to stand all day. That's it's, Your body gets used to that. It, all the same di- um, disadvantages of sitting all day will accumulate if you stand all day as well. Okay, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. And mm. now my... I used to wear a Fitbit. I stopped wearing it kind of mid-summer of last year. It stopped working. I didn't kind of intentionally decide I'm not going to wear my Fitbit anymore. But one thing with that, with wearing the Fitbit, I would get the little vibration on the 10 to hour, (laughs) every hour. And I know that that is supposed to act as a reminder to kind of get up and move around and stuff, which is great. For me, what it ended up being was... Oh, it's 10 to the hour. That's good to know, you know, and not really taking any action with it. I love that idea of starting a Zoom meeting by standing up. And, you know, if you're not used to it, you might get tired after a few minutes and sit Mm -hmm. down. But then I'm just wondering, you know, if most people are on wireless headsets now, is the opportunity to turn off cameras towards the end of that meeting and just take a walk around the room for the for the last, you know, yeah. and I I encourage people not to have back to back meetings. So if you're booking meetings yeah. for for an hour, then maybe consider booking meetings for 50 minutes instead of an hour. But whatever kind of meeting you have, take that opportunity to, OK, stand at the start, sit down and then cameras off and take a walk around and, and get people talking about doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of the time you don't even if it's one on one, it's probably easier to have that conversation but then if Mm. there's a a leader within the group or a chair of the meeting or something like that encourage people to actually take that time because I you know I've been in meetings where a lot of people have their their cameras turned off I've been in other meetings where most people have their cameras turned on uh, but maybe there's an opportunity at the end to be like okay let's just let's let's get some movement in yeah and even with the camera on you can have a tennis ball under your sole of your foot and you can be massaging your feet okay that's really important too you could be doing a calf stretch uh, which I do all the time which have a book under the sole of your foot you know and do a calf stretch so there are things you can do certainly with the camera on yeah obviously if you start moving around it can be distracting so yeah, I think taking put, taking the camera off is a great idea. 
yeah, to, okay. like, to physically walk yeah. or do overarm stretches, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly yeah. if it comes from the top that this is okay to do, that's really important. You know, obviously yeah. in any kind of corporate environment, that's the environment I come from. If you don't have permission to move, you are not going to be the person yeah. who's switching off the camera or moving side to side across the, the, the screen, you know, so this it has is to it. come from the top. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a couple of things I want to point out there. I've clearly made an assumption that movement means getting up and standing and walking around when actually it doesn't necessarily have to be and you can do stuff. And we'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But the other thing is this idea of organisational permission, which we have spoken about before, kind of an extension of creating a psychologically safe environment. I know Duana Blumstrom spoke specifically about that that piece of organizational permission, getting that permission coming from the top, I think is crucially important. If you don't feel safe enough to actually speak up and ask about this in the first place, maybe consider the type of environment that you're working in anyway. If it's safe to bring in new ideas into the organization, then you know, bring those new ideas in. If you are yeah. a leader, maybe introduce this with your team first before introducing it wider to, um, you know, to the wider organisation. Yeah. So I've done um, programmes for primary schools. That's part of my social entrepreneur work. And part of that is giving permission for children to move. So we'd have literally posters up saying you can jump here, you know, you can skip oh, here. Brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. And then for the office, you'd have a sign going, it's okay to stand here. So you'd have an office, a meeting room, and you'd have a section at the back going, if you want to stand, you know, this would be a good place to stand. Okay. And just a tiny bit like that is like, oh, that make okay. I, I feel not strange now. Yeah. Getting out of my chair and standing here. I'm not distracting anybody else. And I've yeah. been given permission by this sign. So something as simple as that can really make a change. Yeah. Well, there. I mean, there's another good point as well. I think being, you know, casting my mind back to being in a physical office when I worked in corporate as well. And I think the bonus of walking from meeting to meeting and then 18 months of we're only on Zoom and you're sitting between meetings, you're not actually physically getting up and walking. But when we go back into the office, the opportunity is to introduce more of that. And like you say, give people the permission and hints and prompts as to, I love that idea. You can stand over here. You can, you know, and I'm thinking, let's let's adopt some ideas from the kids. You could do some jumping jacks here if you yeah, want to get not? some movement yeah, yeah. in. Yeah. Why not? You can do some why skipping not? here. Here's a skipping rope. Yeah. I love that. I, I just, I, I love that idea. And especially with you, people are starting to go back into the office, whether they like it or not. You know, that's a yeah. conversation for a whole other day. Yeah. But whether people like it or not, there is this shift back towards the office. I know some people are really looking forward to it. Some people are happy with the flexibility that they have at home. And again, a conversation for a different day, how to introduce that type of flexibility when you are back working in the office. Is it nine to five? Is it starting earlier to miss Mm -hmm. the traffic? All of those kind of things and to have a shorter commute, all of that stuff. But um, maybe talk to us a little bit more about like, what can we do, whether it's at home, whether it's in the office, what kind of things can we actually do? Well, the number one thing is to sit less. I mean, yeah. the, the sitting is something that people spend at least eight hours a day on average doing. And we know sitting is very bad. So sitting less, which means breaking up your sitting. So again, it's not standing all day. So that could be, for example, standing at the start of every Zoom call. Um, it could be taking more breaks, you know, setting your timer every half an hour, putting the phone in the other room. So you have to get up and go to the phone and switch it off. Don't yeah. have it beside you where you can just hit snooze because you will not get up. Um, 
what I do also is I unplug my computer and bring it over somewhere to work and then eventually the battery will will die so I'd have to yeah. get up and come back and plug it in yeah so these are really artificial ways to crowbar movement into your day but if that's what it takes uh, that's what it takes you know to get yourself to sit less that would yeah. be the number one thing that's the number one thing and the more you walk obviously the less you're sitting so that's fantastic yeah. you know try to if you are continuing to work from home and uh, do your artificial commute, so you literally walk around your block before you yeah. start work, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, really good for your. I mean, if you're a biological clock to get that daylight into your eyes and all that, it's a fantastic way to start the day. Do it at the end of the day, so that's your commute at the end yeah. of the day. It could only be five minutes. That's fine. That's fine. Lunchtime as well. Get out five or ten minutes. These are tiny ways to break up sitting and get you walking more. So it's kind of two for one. Yeah. Um, I tell yeah. people about that, the, the walking around the block more from a boundary perspective. Yeah. So if you want to say, if you're working from home, that this is the start of my workday and this is the end of my workday. And at the start, the, the laptop doesn't come out before the start of the workday and the laptop goes away at the end of the workday. But, but you're putting like, it's a physical representation of the boundary between the start of work and the end of work. And I just thought that, that's a really nice idea. But it has the added benefit then, even if it's only five minutes, even if it's a few minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it might be, it has the added bonus of if that's part of your movement within yeah. that that yeah. um, that day. Yeah. Part of your 10,000 steps, your 8,000 steps. Right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be 10 in one go. That's the thing. You yeah. can accumulate them and it's just the same benefit as yeah. having your your dedicated one hour. And it's fine to mix it up. There'll be days where you want to have a dedicated one hour, go for it. You know? Yeah. But also getting outside is so for good for your eyes. You know, we know that this short, short-sightedness is becoming an epidemic in many parts of the world because oh, wow. of screen okay. usage. Yeah. yeah. And they've been able to undo that in schools in China, for example, by by forcing the children to go out at lunchtime during school break. Okay. They've taken away for study time. Yeah. And their eyesight had deteriorated. So just by letting them go out at lunchtime, letting them see in the distance was enough to start remedying. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, um, I did, I didn't know that there was an epidemic about that, but I did hear a, a hack for want of a better word. I think it's called 20, 20, 20. So it might be something yeah. like every 20 minutes, you look 20 meters in the distance for 20 yeah. seconds or something right. like that. Yeah. And I just thought that's, that's brilliant. And I started trying to do that when I'm, I, for, I've kind of shifted around my uh, office a little bit now, but when I was facing a window, it was easy to do because I could look straight out, um, yeah. you know, into the distance through the window, yeah. which was really nice. And it was something that I did. Um, reg- well, I tried to do it regularly enough. Probably my eyes were getting tired, so they naturally kind of were drawn mm. to the, the longer distances. But um, it's really interesting. Yeah. And looking at the window, if you're seeing nature as a double bonus, again, it relaxes your nervous system, you know, mm. calms you down, clears your mind. So everything is connected. You know, we kind of know all this. We've been trained to think that to get our work done, we have to sit still for this amount of time and we have to stay concentrated for this amount of time. And all the studies show that the more breaks you take, within reason, obviously, the yeah. better your mind is, the better your body is, the happier you are, happier yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything gets done that way. Yeah. Listeners often get in touch with me to let me know what has resonated with them when they listen to the podcast, some of the practical actions that they have taken as a result of listening. And to me, that really, really means the world because it shows that the work I'm doing is having an impact. But they also wonder 
how can they actually work with me on a deeper level? And that's why I wanted to share with you today. And I don't often do this. I don't often talk about the work that I do, but I'm launching a new program called Imposter to Empowered. And I would love to tell you more about it. You can go over to the website impostersyndrome.ie if you want to find out more about what imposter syndrome actually is and the steps that you can take and find out more details about the program. Imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that it really holds you back from putting yourself forward from opportunities, that people will judge you and think that you're a total fraud, that you have no idea what you're talking about. But also you think that other people think that you are better than you actually are and that you somehow have pulled the wool over their eyes all this time. It can happen when things like we start a new job, we get promoted to a managerial position, we start out in our careers, or we've reached a level that we think we should feel a little bit differently. We feel like we should have it all sussed out now at this time. But that's not always the case. And this nagging feeling is still there. So with this program, it's a six week online program with interactive group coaching sessions. With this program, the aim is to identify what your imposter is saying and take some really practical steps towards managing and overcoming your inner imposter. If you want to know more, like I said, head to the website impostersyndrome.ie or feel free to reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. And I look forward to working with you on a deeper level to manage and overcome your inner imposter. A few things to pick up on there. You mentioned about the the knowing, doing, you know, we know all of this. So why isn't it that we're doing it? Any thoughts around that? And I know for myself, taking those breaks, especially when I was working in corporate, you just you're so in the zone and you're so feeling this high pressure to get something done. You have to deliver something to a client. You have to finish a piece of work and the thoughts of taking a break, even just for five minutes to clear your head are just like, you wouldn't even yeah. dream of doing that. Yeah. But actually the times that I did take a break, it made a huge difference because it clears yeah. your mind and you're able to think and process a lot more easily. But when you're yeah. in the zone and so focused, you think that you're doing all your best work yeah. and you think you're doing all your best thinking, but you're actually not. Yeah, I guess when you're in the zone, obviously you're in the zone. You might be sitting there for an hour and a half working on something. That's fine. You don't have to break up every every lot of work that you do but I was thinking about this as well because when I first started working in this before it was um uh, you know we were on emails and stuff and we actually got up a lot more so I would get up to the photocopier I would get up to the fax machine I would yeah. get up and hand my colleague you know a piece of paper in their inbox yeah so we were still getting the work done but there was a culture of movement mini movement because just that's the way the office was. There was yeah. a question of sending emails, whereas now it's, it, it is, because it's possible to sit all day, doesn't necessarily mean it's better for us. And I think yeah. slowly corporates are realizing that, that it's, there is permission to move, people will work better. But certainly even 15 years ago, that would have been, as you say, um, maybe frowned upon if you took regular, you know, I'm going out for five minutes. Whereas now I think slowly things are changing. People are realizing even just for their mental health, it's important to, to take a break away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. And I I do remember those days and I'm trying to, you know, I remember when I sent my first email when I was in fourth (laughs) year in school and it was the excitement of it all. But it's so true, like being in the office and someone is sitting 
a few desks away from you and you send an email rather than actually go in and have a conversation. Now, I've been in both scenarios where you actually get up and have a conversation and I've been in other in the other where it's like, oh, the culture here is we send emails about everything rather than what speaking to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to reduce, yeah. like whether it's to reduce the noise or whatever. Um, yeah. And I heard, have heard examples where companies really clamp down on that internal email because internal emails, it's like, what's the point? You can follow yeah. up with an email or you can, you know, people are using Slack and things to capture that type of information. Um, but maybe consider before sending that email, can you actually... Uh, have a conversation with someone physically um, or, you know, on, on a side note, which is probably less about movement, but like, can you have a conversation over Zoom instead of sending an email? Yeah, exactly. And I love the idea you mentioned earlier about the 50 minute meetings. I think that's really important as well, allowing yeah. that 10 minutes. They yeah. brought that into schools as well when all the kids went online, when they realized kids, it's back to back. Oh, uh, of course. They yeah. All day, so they started yeah. bringing in 45, 50 minute classes and give them a 10 okay. minute break, but actually get up and play outside. Yeah. And then come back in. I mean, we know it from Finland school. This is slightly off topic in terms of corporate, but schools in Finland, and they ace all the, the you know, the reports in terms of yeah, academic happiness. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, uh, they stay in the class for 45 minutes. Every 45 minutes, they have a 15 minute break mm. where they go out and then they've rejuvenated and come back and they know they focus only for 45 minutes. And then they take another 15 minute break. So yeah. I think we have a lot to learn from other cultures, maybe that have it right in terms yeah. of um, schools. And from my personal point of view, children are desk workers too. You know, yeah. we tend to focus on the desk workers, the, the adults, but children sit for long periods of time as well, particularly yeah. in the study years. You were saying it's kind of a, a different context, but I think there's a lot to be said for that and there's a lot to learn from it. And that's probably where it starts. You know, like you're used to sitting down from yeah. half eight to half two or whatever in the day because you're at school all day. Yeah. We had, I think, two breaks in the day. You had a, a short break and you had a long break for lunch and then you would go out to yard and things like that. So um, I love this idea of 45 minutes. And that kind of brings us back to the other point I wanted to pick up on, which is this idea of focused work. And I have read uh, Cal Newport's books about he's he talks about um dig, uh, I can't remember digital detoxing basically is one mm. book and the other one then is uh, deep work where he talks about getting that sense of focus and minimizing distractions and I suppose the perception in my mind is you can spend two to three hours doing your deep work but maybe in building on that we can introduce those breaks that we need to have to do that movement while we're doing that deep work. So we have minimized distractions, they're, they're away, but actually why not introduce very specific movement or stepping away from your desk to clear your head so that you can come back a little bit more focused. Like I suppose in my mind, it was like, isolate yourself from everything, turn off your internet, you know, go and write something or use your laptop, but with no connection to the internet so that you're not getting any, you're not yeah. tempted to go down the yeah, YouTube yeah. rabbit hole or anything like that. Yeah. But that, I suppose that was my perception, but maybe in building on that, maybe the, the, we can look at like, okay, so what else can we do to help us to be more focused during those three to four hours? Yeah. And I guess it depends on the individual. I mean, if I'm working on some, an article to write, you know, I would literally shut down everything. As you say, I'm not going to move in that hour physically I'm actually focused on that and that's just the way I am yeah but, but the rest of the day will be you know lots of movement and I wouldn't be doing that every day um but certainly if you're the, I think they say about 40 minutes is when the brain starts to lag so if you 
you'd have to check your own natural when do you want to take a break you know but yeah. when you do it's like the pomodoro technique isn't it yeah you work i think 20 minutes 25 minutes and you take your five minute break that five minute break as i said doesn't have to be exercise it could be looking at the window it could be meditating that they are all still forms of movement because yeah. meditation changes the way you breathe which is part of your body and okay. uh, looking at the window changes the muscles in your eyes so we yeah. have to start looking at the body as a whole thing not just are we burning calories um, and unfortunately, the are we burning calories message is the one being focused on for, I suppose, 40 years now. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean we're getting healthier. Yeah. So health is not necessarily the same as fitness. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be very fit in certain aspects of your body and other parts of your health could be deteriorating if you're not looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you share some specific examples about that? Well, you could have people who... Um, for example, are training for a marathon and they're doing yeah. all that training. Every, they sit all day and every evening they do, you know, fantastic achievement. I mean, I could never do it. So, you know, hands up there. Kudos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So they do all that training in the evening and they're getting fitter. But the fact that they've sat all day is detrimental to their body. I compare it to a food analogy. So if you mm. eat junk food all day, but have a fantastic, healthy salad for dinner. Okay, yeah. That healthy salad is fantastic for you. Yeah. But it doesn't undo the junk food that you ate the rest of the day. Yeah. And sitting is a junk food and and uh, doing that exercise in the evening, as good as it is for you, and there's, absolutely, there's no doubt the benefit of exercise is good for you, it doesn't undo the damage of sitting. There are two separate risks. Yeah. Uh, we used to think that, okay, we sat all day, but we did an intense, that's fine. It doesn't It doesn't equate that way. We're looking yeah. at statistics now coming back from, from health from you know populations that move all day and they're doing better health-wise than we who sit all day and then exercise intensely. Yeah, yeah. And I do wonder where that came from because you're, you're so right. Like you're saying it's in the last 40 years that we're focusing very much more on, on calories. But I suppose, and this total perception that it's a, like going back to our earlier conversation it's a tick box exercise I've done my walk now for the day tick and then this concept that you can do nothing all day and I love this the analogy with the food eat junk Mm. food all day eat a salad or eat something that has this healthy perception at the end of the day and suddenly you're going to undo everything that you've done and that's not really the case and I'd love to know Annette I suppose, where where can you begin? Like, what are the kind of small steps that people can take to start in this? If they identify with being an active couch potato, as I do now, based on, and I'm like, that, just calling me an, an active couch potato know, makes, makes me feel, yeah. it is horrible, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, what can people, what can people do to get started? Well, the number one thing is to sit less. Um, mm. Um, if you want to sign up to my newsletter, you'll get my how to sit less guide. And part of that is it says sitting calculator. And I actively encourage everybody to do it because you have no idea how many hours you're sitting until you actually yeah. put in everything, you know, commuting, TV, computer, lunch, breakfast, dinner, sitting time. Like it all just yeah. adds up. So for really- those, for, <laughs> I was going to say, for those not yeah. watching on video, my face just kind of made a very funny shape going. Yeah. It's kind of like the the um, notification on my phone that I get every Monday morning yeah. at nine o'clock saying, and I remember the first time I got it, it's like, oh, you, you used your phone for an average of five hours or whatever it might have been. And I was like, five hours over the course of seven days, that's not too bad at all. <laughs> Till I realized it was five hours per day, which is absolutely shocking. And and maybe to to bring that into the analogy of sitting that you know you 
I suppose a couple of points here. You reach for your phone automatically and maybe instead yeah. of reaching for your phone, you stand up or you, like you said earlier, put your phone in a different room. But the other thing is we tend to, so if I'm using my phone for five hours a day, I'm not using it for five hours at a time. So therefore it doesn't feel like I'm using it for five hours yeah. a day. If But my notification says, and this, you know, you're using it for five hours a day, but it's only small bursts at a time of, it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes. But this is exactly what we could do for movement instead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I would start with that because always good to have a baseline. Um, the second idea is to sit differently. So like I'm sitting on the floor here, but I'm sitting on a bolster on the floor. You may not be ready to sit on the floor. You might want to sit on a yoga ball instead. Okay. Or you sit on a chair that doesn't have a backrest, you know, so, ah, sit on the so stool, you have to sit up a bit or straighter. Or don't use a backrest. Now, yeah. I'm not saying don't use a backrest all day because we're not ready for that. But just take a break from the backrest occasionally and you'll yeah. notice how much you use it. And it's called a backrest for a reason. You know, you rest your back, okay. all your core muscles switch off, which is lovely now and again, but maybe take a break from it. So just sitting differently that way will make a difference to how your body experiences the day. Um, and the thing, the third thing I have is called sit better. So um, you won't be able to see this on the podcast, but I've brought along this wedge here. So it looks like a piece of cheese. It's like a cushion, but it's uh, yeah. slanted. It's a 10 degree angle. So most chairs you sit on today go the opposite way. They kind of force you to slouch back. Yeah. Downward slope. And that's really hard to sit up straight because you're going mm. against gravity. So just putting a wedge like that on your chair, and I don't sell them or anything, um, is a really good way to change the angle of the chair. You're not, you're not making a commission on selling these. No, uh... no, no, no. <laughs> None of that. And in fact, you don't even need the wedge. You can get a towel, roll up the towel into a tight, uh-huh. um, cert, you know. Uh, like yeah, a tube r- type of yeah, shape. Exactly. Yeah. Put it at the back of your chair. Yeah. You sit on that, not at the backrest, a little further forward. Yeah. It's the same idea. You're sitting on a slant. So that automatically changes your posture. Yeah. You won't believe the difference in your neck. And people who work on screens, they all have neck issues. So yeah. you won't believe the difference in your neck. I avoided the neck fusion from, from little changes like this. Yeah. Um, something like that can make a huge difference as well. So, yeah. you know, I'm not saying give up all sitting. It, sitting is going to happen. You know, we live in a culture where there are chairs. You have to sit for some of your work, but you can certainly minimize it. You can change how you sit. And when you are sitting, you can sit better. Mm. So all of that will make your desk job a little bit less damaging. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that my chair that I have, I can change the angle that I sit at. Yeah. So that I can move the back of it up, sli- I tip yeah. it up slightly. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure when I was assembling it <laughs> that yeah, I, yeah. I I found that I could do that. So I might have a look into that again. Um, and that before we wrap up, I'd love to know, I suppose, what the impact of these changes will be for people on their health, on their overall happiness and and, and I suppose how they their happiness at work. OK, well, it all comes back to the report in 1996 where they came up with the term sitting disease. And that just yeah. means that sitting for long periods of time, excessive sitting, yeah. leads to increased risk in loads of diseases, diabetes type 2, obesity, cardiovascular disease, certain cancers, like sitting for more than six hours a day increases your chance of breast cancer wow. you know, and premature death. So it actually takes years off your life. We know that. doesn't yeah. mean you have to give up sitting completely, yeah. but you have to look at it a different way. I actually did a a blog about this saying, if you could, if sitting is a new smoking, then your chair is a cigarette. Yeah. And if you start thinking of your chair as a cigarette, 
you would minimize your use of it. And that's really, yeah. you know, it is a tool and it's helpful, but there you could have a different um, relationship, I guess, with mm-hmm. your chair. Kind of yeah. start, start using it less, start sitting better. Um, otherwise, unfortunately, we run the risk of developing all these issues, not just the diseases, but what I see on a daily basis is the neck pain, the hip pain, um, the lower back pain, uh, pelvic floor dysfunction, um, these are the issues, uh, bone loss. So the more mm. you sit, the, the less uh, bone building you have. These are the day-to-day niggles and things that take away the quality of your life. So even if you, yeah. you're a bit nebulous about this long-term chance of disease, your chances are you're having aches and pains in your life from just having sat in a chair for this yeah. amount of time. So yeah. you will start to feel better instantly. You, your brain will start to work better um, mm. and you'll just start to work better as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And that's the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Okay, love that question. Uh, of course, two parts for me, so mind and body. Yeah. <laughs> so body, obviously, if I'm able to move around, I'm happy. So if I'm sitting yeah. on the floor, I'll have my, my, my set up the way I want it mm. with the option to move around. So that's always happiest for me. Um, and then in terms of mind and what I get out from work is definitely having an impact. So, you know, seeing people who are, taking on board what I'm talking about is always it just lights me up and the the work I do is very practical like I'm yeah. a big a big believer in making it as practical and as simple as possible yeah and same as myself yeah, yeah yeah and it's easy to bring into your everyday so there's very I'm not saying buy expensive equipment or loads of time for this you literally crowbar it it just, it just kind of integrates into your day and yeah. I think that's the way you make change it's just you don't have to think about it yeah you know? yeah it's yeah. just there yeah, brilliant. Love that. And if people want to connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? If they want to reach out and connect on social media or your website? Sure. So I'm very active on Instagram. Uh, my handle there is at Movement Makeovers. Uh, my website is www.malahidepilates.com. And I'm, an, I'm on LinkedIn in that cash flow. So I'm, I'm, I'd love to connect with anybody who's interested in, in connecting with me there. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed our chat. Learned a lot about my, myself and the fact that I'm a, an active couch potato um, and some really, really great and practical tips that people can bring in, whether they're working in the office or whether they're still working at home or for when they're working at home, because I, I, I can see that there's a lot of people who are doing the hybrid model as well. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That was Annette Cashel from Movement Makeovers. And before I summarise some of the key points, some really, really interesting things to come out from that conversation. And I loved that it was so practical as well. Uh, I'd love to hear what you thought. So I usually post over on social media. The main platforms that I use are LinkedIn and also Instagram. So connect with me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, that's A-O-I-F-E-O apostrophe B-R-I-E-N or on Instagram, which is happieratwork.ie. I would love to get your thoughts and get your interaction over there. In summarizing some of the key points that Annette brought up, we spoke about this sitting disease and I'm sure I've heard of this before, but I'm really surprised that it hasn't, I suppose, reached more people. It's certainly not in a corporate environment or in the the day-to-day of what it is that we're doing. And I'm definitely ashamed to admit that I am an active couch potato. I am probably one of those people who has that 6% more active than a regular couch potato by getting out for for my walk every day. 
I loved this concept of the difference between exercise and movement and just bringing more movement into your day can make you healthier and prevent some of those preventable diseases. We spoke about the importance of it coming from the top. And I know I've spoken about this many, many times on the podcast, this idea of psychological safety and how important it is to create that environment where people feel safe to share their ideas and to share you know, what's going on and to introduce new things like this. The key fundamental thing is to sit less. So think about how much you are sitting all day. We spoke about measuring that. And, you know, that is a scary prospect for me, much like what I shared about the uh, phone telling me how much I use my phone in a day. Thinking about how much you're sitting all day, every day, um, it can be quite alarming, but it's important to start with a baseline as well. Uh, She has some practical tips around that. So setting an alarm and putting your phone in a different room so that you have to stand up to actually get your phone. I love that. We kind of talked about this concept of the knowing doing gap. And I know this is something that I speak a lot with in the work that I do with clients, but we will also be speaking about this in, uh, in the, probably in the new year at this stage, but there will be an episode on the knowing doing gap because I think it's important to understand why we know stuff, but then we're not necessarily doing something about it. We spoke about this idea of focused work and my impression always from, from the studies that I've read was that you kind of take that three to four hours. But actually, what about introducing some movement into that and some breaks so you can refresh your mind and you can come back a little bit more focused? We spoke about trusting your body and, you know, knowing when you want to take a break by feeling it, feeling when you need to take that break. And we spoke about this idea of movement is the whole body. So it can be even things like your eyes focusing on a different area. And if you're in a screen the whole time, this 20-20-20 thing where you take 20 seconds every 20 minutes to look 20 metres away for your long vision and uh, movement also being breathing. So taking some time out to meditate as well. I know that's something that I do on a daily basis. I tend to do it before bed, but I do plan to start doing it throughout the day and especially in the middle of the day. It's something I would like to do. We spoke about the concept of health versus fitness as well and the entire fitness industry focusing on this kind of burst of exercise and, you know, calories and it's all about that. But actually your overall health is dependent on your movement throughout the day. And in a post uh, recording conversation, we spoke about this, the concept being like, oh, that's what old people do. Old people walk around the garden, old people who can't properly exercise. But it's important to get that stigma away about it just being for old people and actually introduce things for ourselves. The core bits of what Annette talks about is that she makes it easy to make that change. So sharing practical tips and actually doing something that's going to work for you. Things like housework as well can be included in that movement. And if you space out your housework throughout the day, then, you know, you can do little bits of movement at a time. So that wraps up the core part of what we talk about. And I'd love to know if you are taking some practical action as a result of listening to this podcast. As I mentioned, I would love to get your feedback. Connect with me over on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien, or follow me on Instagram, happieratwork.ie. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. 
You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.